Christchurch, New Malden, 27th of June, 2021. Katie Lofman speaking on Jesus, Our Brother. Well, last week was Father's Day, and it was great that we could all join in and celebrate because we probably all at one time had a dad. Well, this week we're sticking with the family theme, as I said before, and thinking about brothers. At first sight, you might think that this one is not so inclusive because lots of people don't have a brother and or are not a brother themselves, like me. But actually, we do all have a brother because the Bible says that Jesus is our brother. We're used to thinking about God as our father and we know that he's Jesus's father too. So we and Jesus both come to God calling him our father. But I wonder how much we really think about Jesus being our brother. I remember making that connection when I was a child and I couldn't believe it was true at first. And I said to my dad, who was a vicar, if God is our father and God is Jesus' father, then that means Jesus is my brother. And my dad said, that's right, like it was perfectly normal. And I thought it was amazing because God is infinite and powerful and and Jesus is God as well. And I'm just a human, very aware of my own limitations. But I'm his sister. I'm part of the same family. And just in case we do find it a bit odd, the book of Hebrews spells it out for us in in our reading. And Jesus calls his disciples his brothers a few times in the Gospels, and in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, it says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. And then in verse 17, it says, he was made like his brothers, that's us, in every way. And Hebrews then goes on to say that Jesus' experience of being a man was very important for him. By becoming a human being, and experiencing life as we do, we know that Jesus can empathize with us completely. He knows exactly what it's like to be tempted and how hard it is to resist and the pain of that. He knows what it's like to suffer oppression and poverty and rejection and all the other things that humans go through. It's because of that that he can be our high priest. He can go to God on our behalf, asking for mercy. And that's why we always pray in Jesus' name. He's the one who asks for mercy for us in those difficult situations when we wanted to resist the temptation and we just couldn't, or when we're suffering. He's the one who's made sacrifices for us, the one who ultimately takes away sin and makes us holy. He's our brother in that he's the same as us in so many ways. He's also the ultimate big brother because he protects us and he gives us a role model and he fights for us. When I was at school, I always used to wish that I had a big brother because anybody that got teased or who was hard done by or anything like that, they always used to say, I'll get my big brother onto you. And that was a really good threat, you know. But of course, I didn't have a big brother, so I considered, but I didn't actually do this, inventing a fictional big brother. 
so that I could say it too, so that I could get my big brother onto them and he would fight my battles for me and, and he would always be on my side. But I didn't actually do that, have, I didn't actually do that because everybody knew that I didn't have any brothers. <laughs> but that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. He's made the ultimate sacrifice for sin on behalf of us all. And it says in verse nine that he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He fought that battle for us, a battle that we could never win, despite trying and trying for thousands of years. He became a human being in order to do it. So he suffered death as a human being. And as a human, he destroyed death and the devil. So that that means that he's taken away the power of death for all of us humans. So when we come across evil, or we see the work of the devil, we can truly say to the devil, I'll get my big brother onto you, because Jesus, our big brother, has already defeated him. It's interesting that Hebrews talks very much about Jesus as our brother in terms of his suffering. It says it was Jesus' suffering that made him truly human. It's not that he took on, it's not only that he took on the flesh and blood of a human being, but it was also his suffering that made us like, made him like us in every way and bonded him into the same family. Brothers and sisters in the same family often share a family likeness, don't they? Here are a few brothers and sisters looking sort of the same but different. Some of them more famous than others. Those two little twins there that can't uh, Kian and Remy Hodgson, they've got mixed race parents and come out looking very different but also very alike. And then the other two couples are quite famous, Kiefer Sutherland and his sister, and that's John Lennon and his brother Julian. When people see me with my sisters, they always say that we look alike, but we can actually never see it ourselves. But what is it that makes families look alike? It's not just looks, I don't think. It's also our mannerisms and our expressions. But it's also our shared experience. Families go through a lot of life together, and that helps them to understand each other in a deeper way. They may not agree, but even if they don't get on, they know where the other one's coming from, sometimes only too well, and why they're like that. And that's how Jesus is with us. He's our brother, so he knows exactly where we're coming from. Not just because he created us, but because he's been one of us, and he still is one of us. And Hebrews says that it's the suffering that did it. Did you notice in the reading a quote from Psalm 22? Hebrews 2 verse 12 says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sing your praises. Now that's a quote from Psalm 22, which, and Psalm 22 is the one that Jesus quotes on the cross. It's the Psalm that begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the person who wrote Hebrews clearly recognized that Psalm as being about Jesus and, and recognise that Jesus was the suffering Messiah that that psalm talks about. And in the context of that excruciating suffering that the, the psalm describes, 
In that, it's in that context that Hebrews calls Jesus our brother and calls God's people Jesus' brothers. So Hebrews is making the connection between suffering and humanity. He says it's Jesus' suffering that gives him the family likeness to us. So how does that make you feel to hear that suffering is a defining feature of being human? <laughs> Please don't despair. For me, it gives an explanation for the state the world is in. It says in Proverbs that man is born to suffering as the sparks fly upwards. The sparks can't help but fly upwards and we can't help but suffer. So if Jesus wanted to share our humanity, he had to share our suffering. And that's what he chose to do. The word passion means originally, the original meaning is it means to suffer. And that's why Jesus' crucifixion is sometimes called the passion of Christ. So compassion means to suffer with somebody. It's that feeling of sharing someone's pain that moves us to help them. Jesus' human suffering was not just a futile gesture. He didn't just come and recklessly throw himself into the same pickle that we're already in. Hebrews says that his suffering, his passion, made him more compassionate. He can empathise with us in every experience we have, and he loves us through it. But what's more, he came to do something about it from the inside. By suffering all sorts of things when he was on earth, including an unjust execution, Jesus can empathise with the worst suffered by anybody in the world. He knows what it's like, and he voluntarily went through with it. And it's that voluntary sacrifice that makes all the difference. It destroyed the source of that suffering for all of us by destroying the devil. All of the very worst has lost its power. Yes, we still suffer, but we don't have to be defeated by it. Because Jesus, our big brother, has beaten it. So let's have another look at some of those big brothers and sisters in the Bible, some of the brothers and sisters we saw in the Bible earlier. There's uh, Miriam, the big sister, who helped to keep Moses safe in his basket in the bulrushes. And then after the exodus, she worked alongside Moses and Aaron as a prophet and uh, was very good on the tambourine, I understand. Jacob and Esau, well known for their acrimonious fallings out, but even they were able to be reconciled in later life. Joseph and his 12 brothers, and of course their sister Dinah. Joseph certainly knew about sibling rivalry. But even so, he forgave his brothers in the end, and he was able to find redemption coming out of everything that had happened. James and John and their pushy mother, asking Jesus if her boys could have the best place in his kingdom. This was a low moment for them, and it annoyed the other disciples, not surprisingly. But after a reality check from Jesus, they both went on to become great leaders of the church. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, three good friends of Jesus, living together and clearly loving each other. But one of the stories we have of them is of that moment of conflict. 
Martha asks Jesus to tell Mary to help her in the kitchen. And many of us are familiar with Jesus' answer that it's better to spend time with Jesus than to be distracted by earthly things. And there's another person who asks Jesus to tell his sibling to toe the line, and he gets an unexpected answer too. In Luke 12, a man shouts out to Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. But instead of doing that, Jesus warns him against worldly greed. And then he tells him the parable of the rich fool who built bigger barns to hoard his bumper crop. So what do these biblical brothers and sisters tell us about sibling relationships? Well, one thing is that siblings can be difficult for various reasons. We know each other too well. Sometimes we have to spend too much time together. Sometimes we have incompatible opinions about what's right. All of those things can lead to tensions and arguments and even rifts and feuds. But what these examples here show us is that no matter what's gone on before, however murderous or deceptive, it's possible to reconcile. But it's not necessarily easy. Joseph's reconciliation with his brothers was not easy. He actually spent a long time crying about it, the Bible tells us. Jacob and Esau's reconciliation was not easy either. It needed quite a lot of negotiation beforehand. But both of those reconciliations were initiated by the wronged party. It was the wronged party that made the first move in an act of forgiveness. Is there a rift in your family that needs to be healed? Is there a hurt that won't go away? What would it take to reconcile? Looking at Jesus' answer to Martha and to the man in the crowd, it seems like the first step might be to focus on Jesus, not focus on the problem. To listen to Jesus and to recognise that his love for us and our love for our brother or sister is more important than housework and even more important than money. Worldly things can become a distraction from love. The number of people who fall out over an inheritance is legendary, but focusing on Jesus puts everything into perspective and that paves the way for forgiveness and reconciliation. And forgiveness doesn't always lead to reconciliation, but it frees up our own heart from the burden of resentment and it opens the way for the other person to come back. And that's exactly the same for Jesus. He forgives us first, before we're even sorry. And some of us choose to be reconciled with him and some of us don't. So if Jesus is our big brother, what can we do to be a good little brother or sister? Well, one thing is to never forget that we all have Jesus as our brother. So that makes us not only Jesus' brother or sister, but brothers and sisters of each other. And the way we express our love for God is by loving each other like family. The Bible has a lot to say about brotherly love, even if the brothers in the Bible don't always act like that. And perhaps neither do we. But God knows what we're really like. 
and he loves us just the same and he asks us to do better. Romans 12 says that we should be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Devoted is a strong word. It means we always have each other's best interests at heart and we put everything we've got into it. Here are some definitions of brotherly love from the Bible. Proverbs says that a brother is always there in adversity, even though a friend might not be there, the brother is always there in adversity. Be reconciled, it says. Treat each other with kindness. Live together in unity. Encourage each other and strengthen each other. It's hard to read, isn't it? It says, uh, yeah, 1 Thessalonians says that brothers and sisters in Christ should greet each other with a holy kiss. And lots of Christians do do that when it's not a pandemic. We should keep on loving each other all the time, regardless. We should share our possessions with people who are short of things, people who don't have enough. The other brothers and sisters should share with those people. And it even says we should be prepared to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And you can see that all of those things there are also true of Jesus, our brotherly role model. Romans 8 talks about this family likeness. When we acknowledge God as our Father, he gradually changes us to become more like Jesus, our big brother and our role model. So can we aspire to all those things between ourselves, all these things, here in the family of Christchurch in New Malden? I think there is a lot of that happening here already. And I think that now we're meeting together again, it will be easier to put those things into practice and make sure that no one is left out. Can we aspire to all of those things within our own family? With some family members, it's easier than others, isn't it? And can we aspire to all of those things in the wider family of God's people? and with the neighbours that we meet in our day-to-day -day life. No one said it was easy, but it is what God asks us to do. This is the example set by our big brother, Jesus, and this is what gives us our family likeness. But most of all, this is how we express our love for our Father, God, by being devoted in brotherly love to all of God's children our own brothers and sisters, and Jesus himself.